Dear God, thank you for this moment. We pray and we pray again. We have a prayer on video. Dear God, thank you. Thank you for everything you have given us. Thank you for the church, Ecclesia, coming from the Greek word Ek Kaleo. You called us together. You called us out of the world, out of this world system, into gathering around your word, around your mind. Uh, just teach us your heartbeat. We want to know your heartbeat. We want to be like Apostle John who was uh, laying on your chest and he knew your heartbeat. We want to, we want to be part of, of your work. <coughs> Thank you, God, that you have called us. Lead us now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And uh, if you would turn with me into the uh, book of Romans, because we continue here and we will use this even for this uh, Sunday. Romans chapter 1, verse 7. Uh, I just want to, I just want to uh, point out something uh, very important. It's uh, very, very interesting. Actually, before we turn to the Romans, uh, let's, let's look at this. Let's turn to this second Timothy. Let's turn to second Timothy three sixteen. <coughs> Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. This is beautiful. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God, which means to breathe out. Uh, it's coming from God. He, he, he is the source. And it's given for this reason, it's profitable for doctrine. Doctrine is the system of thinking. Uh, that's why we study that we would know uh, how, to, how to think with God. Uh, it's good for correction uh, if we are wrong on our way. Uh, it's good for reproof to set us back on a track for instruction in righteousness that we are perfectly equipped, thoroughly furnished unto all good works, or we could say <clears throat> uh, that we know how to walk in the works he has prepared before us, or for us, before the foundation of the world, that we would live uh, this uh, godly, godly uh, life. So uh, we we want to understand the scriptures properly, which is which is very important to have the true understanding of the scriptures. And I I'll I'll show you something what I mean uh, here. Also, First Peter, First Peter, chapter one. You will turn there with me. So read this. First Peter. And here we go. I beg your pardon. Second Peter. Verse twenty. Speaking about the scriptures, and knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, 
but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. And then he goes into this like false prophets, false teachers, people will not endure the sound doctrine, uh, they will privately bring in heresies and etc. So I just want to point out this very important part about the scripture and the teaching. That's, that's actually why we have a Bible school. Uh, Bible school give us, uh, and I would say, give us, Bible school teaches us how to think with God properly and precisely in the categorical doctrines. Uh, we are being taught context, we are being taught uh, first principle of dimension, we are being taught wide or broad context, which is very important, uh, and etc. Sometimes you may, you may run into people who pick some verse which seems to be contrary to the other teachings and they say, look, look, look what does it teach, look what does it teach. And they just stick with this one, one truth which supposedly uh, fights against all the other doctrines. And they, they point out and say, look, uh, Jesus is not God, for example, or uh, look, you may lose salvation and everything. But the error of this is that they, not, they do not consider the other already previously revealed truths which establish the foundation and they bring light on these uh, rather difficult uh, rather difficult uh, passages we could say so so called so this is very important the that there's there is no private interpretation of the scripture uh, we cannot say i know what it means it means this and that uh, but rather, uh, we have to understand that uh, the scripture explains itself. The scripture explains the scripture. That's, that's the uh, uh, principle and foundation which has been uh, laid. Now, back into the book of uh, Romans. Also, I can I can mention this uh, this verse in Second Timothy three three ten. Paul speaking to, uh, to Timothy, his disciple, he is teaching him, and he says, uh, speaking to him, and he says, "You have fully known my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long suffering, charity, patience, the persecutions, the afflictions which happened to me at Lystra, which I endured." But the Lord delivered me all of them, uh, and this is the this is the thing. Thou hast fully known my doctrine, my manner of life. Uh, he is referring here to Timothy, and Paul says, "You know basically what I have been teaching. You know my doctrine. You know my understanding of the scriptures." You know how I think about it and and how how I feel about this. It's it's very important. Uh, it's very important how to say it properly and correctly. Uh, it's very important to have the right conclusions from the scriptures. Now you have a uh, different schools in the world. Uh, of how to interpret the scriptures. You have different uh, Bible schools, uh, you have different uh, churches and different, different, uh, different explanations. Uh, some people say, well, it's not maybe so important, uh, let's uh, look at the same, let's look at the common, what all we have uh, the same and everything. Uh, if you go really far and into extreme, you can see Pope saying, look, uh, there is, and his conclusion is that even Muslims believe in the same God. You know, he claims, well, we believe in creation, they believe in creation. We believe in one God, they believe in one God. We believe he will judge at the end, they believe he will judge at the end. So his conclusion was, we believe in the same God, which is shocking because we know they do not recognize Jesus as a his deity, as a God himself, but as only a prophet. <coughs> uh, 
So these uh, conclusions are not that we look for the things that we have in common, uh, that we could start to uh, have like fellowship, uh, but rather I would look at the things we have in difference. What is the main difference between us and them? Well, the difference is the Jehovah Witnesses, they do not believe in the divinity of Jesus. The Muslims do not receive the divinity of Jesus. Therefore, we cannot have a fellowship with them around this. Uh, that's, that's, that's the point. <coughs> in the book of Judges, chapter 12, here is this uh, prophet. And this is like a very beautiful and shocking story. Joshua Judges Ruth, that's the order of the books. Judges chapter 12, there's Yeftah and he's, he's teaching this. Then Yeftah gathered together all men of Gilead and fought with Ephraim. And the men of Gilead smote Ephraim because they said, you Gileadites, are fugitives of Ephraim, among Ephraimites. Uh, and Gilead took the passage of Jordan before the Ephraimites. Basically, this is kind of difficult now to understand from these verses. What he says, there was a war, he went to the war, Yeftah. Uh, the Ephraim did not help him with the war. Uh, and uh, uh, then they started to blame and fought against Yeftah, actually. He says it in the verse, in the verse uh, 2. And Yeftah said unto them, I and my people were at the great strife with the children of Ammon. And when I called you, you, del you delivered me not out of their hands. You didn't come to help me. And when I saw that you delivered me not, I put my life in my hands and passed over against the children of Ammon. So you didn't come uh, for help. So I risked my own life and I went to fight with the, this Ammon nation, with this tribe. And the Lord delivered them into my hand. And therefore then are you come up unto me this day to fight against me? And then he tells them, and now you are coming to fight against me? Well, I asked you for help, you didn't come. I did it myself with the help of the Lord. Or the Lord delivered them because I went by faith. And now you are fighting against me. This is very interesting. There is uh, Yeftar who was uh, walking by faith, who went to, uh, into war with this nation of Ammon. But Ephraim stayed uh, static. He didn't move. He didn't join the war. He didn't do nothing. And then started to blame a man of faith, man of action, and started to fight against him. And he says, wherefore you do it because I did it myself. And there is a war between them. And verse 6, and they were passing over the, over the uh, uh, river of Jordan, or the passage. Verse 6, they made this test. And they ask, are you an Ephraimite? If he said no, then said they unto him, say now Shiboleth. And he said Sibboleth, for he could not frame to pronounce it right. Then they took him and slew him at the passage of Jordan. And there fell at the time of the Ephraimites forty and two thousand. 42,000 people were killed. By the way, this, this is a tribe of Israel. This was a deep cleansing in the nation of Israel. And what was the difference? Can you say Shiboleth? And he said Siboleth. Just a small little detail. In this sense, this little detail cost their life. But what I point to out that little small details such as Shiboleth and Siboleth will cost our lives too. 
you know this is a question of life and death and we can we can we can make a milder statement it's a question of of our spiritual life and death how do we see and perceive the teachings of the bible what are the differences that we see there or do we say it doesn't matter shibboleth or sibboleth or do we stick with the sibboleth and we don't want to receive the teachings of shibboleth do we want to be corrected precisely in our understanding of the scriptures because if we are not it will truly cost us life amos 3 verse 3 says how can two walk together unless they agree it's very interesting now uh, we getting we are getting into uh, into like a relationship seminar let's say how can two walk together uh, you may have uh, two people who want to walk together get together and have like relationship okay second corinthians 6 <clears throat> speak about being unequally yoked second corinthians 6 14 that we are not to be one with the harlot not to be joined with the one that that doesn't doesn't uh belong to us i'm sorry i was in first corinthians second corinthians six and he says be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers for what shallow fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness and light and darkness and what concord or unity has a christ with belial or satan and what part has he that believes with an infidel so here is very clear uh we are not to be yoked in a, in a marriage in a courting with somebody uh if there is a believer and he looks at infidel in unbeliever there is no unity how these two can walk together unless they have unity in teaching and in the heartbeat of god in understanding this how they can walk together if one says shibboleth and the other one says sibboleth or maybe the other one doesn't say nothing at all because he's not even believer yet uh, and we can go even further uh, it's not just it's not just uh, about being a, a believer but uh, I would say we have to be of the same uh, family in Genesis 24 uh, there is Abraham looking uh, for a wife for his son and he says don't go and look for a wife of, of Canaanites from other nations again the same principle but go to my country my kindred go to my nation and my family and what's our family well the family is uh first of all basically we have the same father so again believer but here he narrows everything and he says don't don't go to any nation uh or any tribe just come to our tribe and our family the closed ones those who have the same teaching how can two walk together unless they agree we know a case from one church and there was a girl uh, who had uh, uh, teaching uh, solid biblical teaching about the security of salvation uh, uh, she followed the Lord but then she got into relationship with a man was loving God he was a man who was set on fire but he was from a different church from a different family of course he was a believer but his teaching was different also in a sense of losing salvation he believed that uh, by committing some gross sin the Holy Spirit can leave him and he loses salvation and now imagine their walk together they hold hands they go through the life uh, troubles come 
she knows she is uh, safe and secure forever. But he says, oh, the spirit left me and I'm going to hell. You see, there is like big problem in the thinking. They don't have a unity in the thinking. Uh, he believes this uh, lie that he just lost his salvation. He has to regain it and etc. Now, how will you be bringing up your children, both physical and spiritual? So you have a family, you have children, you want to teach them something. Mommy says, oh, you've done something bad. That's very bad. But don't worry, you are eternally secure in God's hands. You are not losing your salvation. And we will work on it, honey. But the daddy comes and he says, no, you've done really bad. You just lost your salvation. You are going to hell, son. Uh, and we can extend this into our spiritual children. Uh, they do evangelism. They bring souls to the Lord. How will they teach them? Uh, there is a problem in this, in this uh, teaching and in this unity. And that's what I say. It's a truly question of, of life and death because uh, this our thinking will determine actually the motivation of our actions. How do we think will determine how we behave and actually why we do what we do. That's, that's very important. Uh, maybe you remember the story of M Mikhail. In the first Chronicles 15, uh, there is written when Mikhail uh, saw David dancing before the Lord, before the ark, uh, she despised him in her heart. So here's a wife of David. Uh, David is worshipping God uh, and she despises him in her heart. There is no unity in this. It's a very difficult situation. If you have a couple marriage when one believes in a certain way of worship and the other one despises it. By the way, in this case, uh, David was right uh, and uh, Michal got kind of like rebuked. In the second Samuel chapter 6, then there is written that she remained barren. I believe this is directly related to the thing that, that she despised uh, David's worship and she had like no fruit. We can say that uh, wrong teaching, wrong thinking, as we mentioned, wrong doctrine, wrong biblical conclusions, uh, are producing uh, wrong motives for our actions. And in this case, there was no fruit. She, she became barren at the end of her life. We don't want to be Christians who are barren and who do not bring fruit. Okay, uh, how do we bring fruit? Uh, we are at, this, at the right source. That's the point. We are at the right source. We, we receive from the Lord. Uh, we receive the right doctrine. And I just want to look at this in Romans chapter 1 when we started with this. Romans chapter 1 verse 7. Continuing our teaching on the book of Romans. <clears throat> Paul has written this letter and he says, To all that be in Rome, beloved of God, called saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. To all that are in Rome, beloved of God. He's addressing this church, this body of Christ, this gathering. He says, To all that are in Rome, to the church in Rome. And he calls them, he says, called saints these people are called saints now here we come to the to the little problem i am using uh king james version uh which is uh very well connected to uh, textus receptus we will speak about this some other time that's that's the foundation of the translation of this bible you have a, a majority and minority texts we will get into this later. But the King James in this case is using the word called saints. This connection called to be saints is in, in italics, which means it's not in the original, it's not part of this translation. 
So what does it says? Romans 1 7 to those who are in Rome, beloved of God, called saints. Paul is calling this church, these people, that they are saints. That's very interesting. If you put this in contrast with these uh, state religions, uh, when they have uh, saints, uh, they proclaim deceased people who perform certain miracles and their life has been observed, and at the end they proclaim them saints. Well, the Bible calls every believer, blood-bought, born-again saint. You can see it here. If I take, if I take this uh, Serbian translation, <coughs> this is uh, this is a gift. It was given to me by friend. This is Danicic Karadzic <coughs> translation. And yesterday we we were standing at his tombstone. Uh, I took a picture uh, of uh, of Karadzic. Vuk, Stefan Vuk Karadzic. I took a picture of the tomb and we were standing there and we, we did some little evangelism. It was beautiful. And what's interesting, this, this man, he, he stands behind the translation uh, of the New Testament of, of the Bible, uh, which for some people they claim it's old archaic language, difficult to understand. But basically uh, it's readable uh, and you can you can uh, see that many things he did are very precise. For example, here in this passage in Romans, I want to really point out this and show that uh, he did a very, very good job in this case. Romans 1, 7. Svima koji su u Rimu, Ljubaznima Bogu i pozvanima svetima. That's it. Called saints. He is using the same phraseology, the same connection, meaning those are called saints. God calls them saints. Paul calls them saints. He sees them that they are saints. Now, when you take, for example, some other translation, uh, I've got this uh, CCP, Savremeni Srpski Prevod. Uh, very popular translation now, very good to read, very easy. But in this case, this translation uh, was not so precise here. Uh, well, let's read it, verse 1, chapter 1, verse 7. Svima u Rimu koji su dragi Bogu i pozvani da budu sveti and called to be holy. You see, this little part, they are called to be holy. Uh, imagine you are the translator of the scriptures, okay? You want to be precise. And now you come to this point when Bible calls, or the Paul calls these believers in Rome that they are saints. Well, now you have a problem with this. Because you have to make certain theological conclusions to, tr to translate it this way. Either it means that this group of believers in Rome was a special group of real saints. It's like some miracles group, amazing saints, not like the other believers, which is wrong conclusion. Another way how you can explain it is that these people were truly saints as well as we are, as well as every believer, but for some, as we mentioned in the beginning, for some uh, groups which have a different theology, it's difficult to receive this teaching. Uh, uh, Roman Catholic Church cannot receive this. They, uh, they refuse to call believers saints. Orthodox Church has a problem with this. Uh, Pentecostals have a problem with this. Because you cannot be a saint and then lose salvation. The saints do not lose salvation. You are saint or you are not. So they add this little phrase there, those who have been called saint. And that's the problem. We said that there is no private interpretation of the scriptures. We have to be very careful if we would ever do translation of the Bible, not to slip into this error. 
But we do basically because we study the original languages and we bring out the true original meanings. So although we do not write the uh, the new uh, translation of the scriptures at this point, we do explanations based on based on the original languages. So we have to be very precise to understand it. Now, when we know that there is written those who are called saints, it puts everything into different picture. Every believer is seen in God's eyes as a saint. Now, what does it mean? Well, if I am a saint, I get a different picture of me and my identity. And if somebody else in the church is a saint, then I can see him this way also. So this is really this little difference, Shibboleth, or you go for Sibboleth. But we stick with Shibboleth, with the, with the true meaning. And that's what I mentioned in the beginning, I said, it's a question of life and death. How do we perceive and understand the scriptures? Will save our life, basically. Uh, the same is in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 2. It says here, Unto the church of God, which is at Corinth, to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called saints. Here it's more, even more logic. Those who are at Corinth, to them who are sanctified or set apart, hagios, called to be saint. Again, uh, uh, Karadzic is doing a very good job. Savremeni uh, Srpski prevod, this translation is adding to be saint. We are not called to be saint. We are not called to act like a saint. Uh, this verse doesn't put any pressure on you in a sense you are called to be saint. So how do you behave? Look, get corrected. No, we are called saint. That's the foundation and premise of our thinking and our behavior. Because if I know I'm saint, it will influence my way of living. Uh, there are like also some different translations, uh, Serbian, Bakotic, Stefanovic. Uh, there is some Charnic. I never had this one in my hand. Uh, I don't want to really uh, rip apart every translation, but I'm just pointing out these, these basic things. Let's be careful and let's understand who did certain translation. Which church is standing behind a certain translation and etc. It's very important. For example, I'll tell you, in Czech Republic, we have this group of people. Uh, they are coming from a Pentecostal background. Uh, they decided to make a translation. They, they basically do not claim it's their own charismatic translation. They just claim it, it's a modern translation for 21st century. Uh, and for example, these people use 1 Corinthians 6, verse 9, when there is a word for effeminate and the following, abusers of themselves with the mankind. Uh, every Bible translates this uh, as a homosexuals, as those who have a, uh, relations, man with the man. The word in Greek is there, uh, arzenokoitai, arzen speaking about the male, koitai, uh, koitus, or sexual relations. So there is like no space for translating this word otherwise. All the previous historical translations are using this word the right way. Uh, nevertheless, this modern translation and maybe it was even donated by European Union, uh, use the word uh, wicked. So somebody will say, well, it, it, it's, it's almost the same. They are wicked. No, this is not the word for wickedness. There's a special uh, meaning, precise, and there's the difference between shibboleth and sibboleth. You know, when I study, I want to be really humble and hear the difference. I want to speak to God and say, God, like, 
really teach me, lead me. Uh, I want to see the difference between shibboleth and sibboleth, because as we said, it's a very, very important uh, question of uh, spiritual life and death. <laughs> At the end, it's it's really a question of life and death. How do we live this life, and uh, where is does it lead us to? I have also this uh, uh, Croatian translation. <coughs> I really haven't studied this. Um, maybe it's from Branko Djakovic. Uh, in this point, the Croatian translation is quite good. Uh, I don't know the rest of it. But just uh, going through through different Bibles, just that we, we know and we we understand what's uh, what's behind. No private interpretation. No uh, special translation for some group. Let's say we are Pentecostals, we will do Pentecostal Bible. We are the Baptists, we will do Baptist Bible. We are Greater Grace, so we will do Greater Grace Bible. We have to be very careful, never ever bring private interpretation, but rather let the scripture speak to us. And we know that the scripture interprets uh, the scripture we could go uh, through the similar in the book of James. There is uh, there is uh, another similar passage. Let's let's look there. James five because I want to now really connect these these two words speaking about believer. James five <coughs> verse nineteen and twenty. Brethren, who are the brothers? Brethren, that's the believers. We are from the same womb, Adelphos. We are from the same Heavenly Father. Brethren, believers, blood-bought, born-again believers. Brethren, if any of you do err from the truth, okay, so he's speaking, if some of the believers walks away from the truth and one convert him, let him know that he which converts the sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death and shall hide the multitude of sins. Well, now you have a different, let's say, extreme. We were reading First Romans 1, 7 and First Corinthians 1 that the believer, the brother, is called saint. Now you have a sinning brother or brother who who believes the error of a doctrine and he's called sinner it's another extreme again when you look at the translations uh, King James is uh, good in this uh, Karadzic says the same Karadzic says uh, so again using the word sinner Greshnik but uh, when you look, for example, at again this Savramani uh, Srpski Prevod, uh, it says it's using uh, different wording out. They are leaving out the word Greshnik. James, James, Yebrema, Jakob. James 5.19.20. Bracho moja, ako neko od vás, od luta od istine, a neko ga vráti, Znajte, da će gataj koji ga je vratio sa stran putice spasti od smrti i pokriti mnoštvo greha. You see here, they do not call him sinner, but they are using this phrase which describes it around and says taj koji ga je vratio. Doesn't says koji obrati grešnika. Taj koji ga je vratio. Onoga koji Izašlo iz puta, the one who, who left the way, who, who made the error. So you see, uh, this uh, Bible, this translation is not really is afraid of using the true meaning of the saint that they would call the believer saint, as we saw, but also on the other hand, there are describing in the way around and they do not call believer sinner but they say only the one who went 
stray as comparing to uh, uh, Karajic or King James or other Bible translations they are not afraid really to uh, call believer saint and at the same time call him sinner because both is true and we know it uh, that the Bible is clear about this in the beginning I mentioned that some people they just pick up certain truth they hold on to this truth and kind of like they avoid the other already revealed truths in the scripture how do we uh, make a friendship between these two statements well it's it's simple and it's uh, understandable for example salvation in the Bible is described in three ways we call it so-called three Fold salvation, threefold salvation. Uh, first, we are saved from the punishment uh, or from the penalty of sin. That's first salvation. Jesus was uh, judged in our stead. Then we are being saved uh, from the power <coughs> of sin and in the daily life. So it's another salvation. We are being delivered daily. Uh, you can pray today, Lord, save me, although you are eternally saved. Uh, that's from the punishment. But we pray, save me from this hour, from this moment, from these troubles. Daily salvation. And then there is a third part of salvation. And we will be saved from the presence of sin uh, at, the, at the final redemption, final rapture. First Thessalonians 4, when we will be harpazo, uh, uh, we will be uh, caught up and raptured uh, to the air, and we will be forever with the Lord. Uh, Bible speaks about salvation soteria in these three ways. Same way about sanctification, hagiazo. We read in the First Corinthians 1 2 that we are saint. Uh, Bible sees us as a saint. It's one for all positional truth which do not changes. First Corinthians six, verse eleven. And some of you were such, and there is a group of people, fornicators, idolaters. We just talked about this. First Corinthians six. Some of you were such, but you are washed. You are sanctified, you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus by the Spirit of our God. So we are, we have been sanctified and justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hebrews 10 verse 10 speaks about it, that it's a truth which happened one for all, once for all. It says here, that we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. We have been sanctified once for all. Again, beautifully established the truth. But let's see also other scriptures. We cannot hold just to certain revelation and make it the primary doctrine of our teaching, of our church uh, dogma uh, here you we agree that we have been sanctified once for all but when you look in verse 14 that by one offering he has perfected forever them believers that are being sanctified there is a participant we are being sanctified in a daily life other verses which support this is, uh, for example, First Thessalonians, and there's like many of them. First Thessalonians 4, 3 and 4, 2 Timothy 2, 21, 1 Peter 1, 15. Uh, let's, just look, uh, let's just look here in, in this First uh, Peter 1, 15. Second Timothy two twenty one. So this is this is a process of 
or sanctification. Second Timothy 2.21 If a man therefore purge himself from these, uh, speaking about unclean vessels in the picture language, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use, prepared unto every good work. So what does it mean why you should be separated to be sanctified when you are already sanctified? And that's the point. Uh, one truth teaches the same way as with the salvation. We are eternally saved. We are being saved from the details of life. And we will be saved from the presence of the sin by the rapture or by death. Uh, same way is the sanctification. We have been sanctified and justified by his sacrifice once for all. Hebrews 10, 10. Now 2 Timothy 2, 21. We will be sanctified if we are separated. It's in the daily life uh, uh, separation. When you look into the book of, and we will finish with this one, Ephesians 1, chapter 1. 1, chapter 1. Apostle, Paul, apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints which are at Ephesus and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. Now please have a look with me at this verse. Ephesians 1. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 1. If you would look at, at this with me please in the Bible. <clears throat> and let's read with me. Paul is writing to the saints which are at, Ephes at Ephesus and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. My question is what does it mean? Are there two groups? Saints and faithful? Or is he addressing one group which are the saints and the faithful? Now how can he call people faithful? When the believers in many cases are not truly faithful. What does it mean? Well, that's, that's the point. There is a, there is a truth which is a positional truth. We've been taught this in our ministry from ages. Positional truth which doesn't change is then there is experiential truth which we experience here on earth which should be the same as position but not always is. And then there is the final sanctification or redemption. By the way, in this case uh, uh, he is using uh, connection saints and faithful from the same group it's understandable uh, when you look in the Old Testament for the word saint Psalm 31 verse 23 all of the Lord all ye his saints this word for saints used here is chassid uh, Hasid. Maybe you've ever heard uh, Hasidic, Hasidic Jews. Hasidic Jews. That's, that's the same word, saint. Uh, <clears throat> in Deuteronomy 33, verse 3, and I'm just bringing out this Hebrew language because it will bring light to the thinking of the Paul the writer. Deuteronomy 33, verse 3. There's another word, different word for saint. Speaking here on this, on this. Yeah, he loved the people. All his saints are in your, in your hand. So, Old Testament word for saints in this case is Kadesh. Kadesh Ruach is the Holy Spirit. Uh, one word, Kadesh, Kadesh means really holy. And is being translated as a saint, holy. The other word, chassid, means basically faithful. Uh, when you look at the usage of, the, of this word in the Old Testament, it means faithful, but being translated both saint. So now we can understand why in Ephesians 1 1 he says saints and faithful, which has actually the same meaning because the saints are the faithful ones. As we saw, it's being used this way in the Old Testament. Both uh, Hasid and Kadesh 
one is faithful, the one is holy, are being translated as a saint. So here he calls by these two words the same group of uh, believers, uh, blood-bought believers, saint or faithful ones. No matter how they behave, this is just their status, this is just their name, which has been written in heaven, because we have been justified, Hebrews 10, 10, uh, once for all. Uh, and that's, that's uh, very important to understand uh, difference between shibboleth and sibboleth. We do not teach that people are saints only and never sinners, uh, which is a modern way of teaching in some churches nowadays. We do not teach that the people are sinners and they should be saints or they should act like a saint. It's a legalism and it has nothing to do with the understanding of redemptive work of the cross. But we understand that the Christian is called both in certain passages saint and in certain passages sinner and, and both is truth. Uh, this is beautiful. Uh, let's study the Bible. Let's not uh, stick into some uh, uh, twisted translations, uh, extremely modern translations which just uh, translate idea and not the words exactly. Uh, some people say, well, it's not important, the words. It is. It's very important to know the words. Uh, we've seen this in this passage with Yeftah, uh, Shibboleth and Sibboleth. It's a question of life and death. So let's pray. Let's study. Uh, the Bible school started. Uh, Sunday messages we preach. Uh, we have a great time. Uh, and... God bless you. Thank you for listening. Amen.